0: Welcome everybody all of our campuses, meeting throughout the Twin Cities today. Way to go. You made it to church. Glad to see you. I also want to welcome those of you who are watching online. We know that uh, you're around our country and world watching from dorm rooms and uh, houses and homes and your class, class setting situation, wherever you might be today. I'm struggling out of the gate. But welcome to you as well, watching online. Glad you're with us as well. I'm almost beside myself with excitement because next weekend... Is the Minnesota deer opener, and I can hardly contain myself. My wife says, this is the time of year when all you little men lose your little minds, and that's true. But I'm also excited because this weekend is our new series called One Life, and you might not believe this, but as much as I love hunting in November, it doesn't even come close to how much I love this church, how much I love what God is doing through this church, the mission of this church. I get a dozen emails every single week from people all over our city and country telling me how God has used our church to change their life for the good, how at one time they were struggling without direction or hope, then they got invited to one of our campuses or they began watching online, and they heard about a God who loves them, heard about a God who wants a relationship with them, people like Kyle from Burnsville got a note from Kyle recently, he said, I guess I should start by saying that I consider myself to be an agnostic. I used to be sure there was nothing out there, but recently I realized I have no idea. But with the push from my girlfriend and my and the mother of my two girls, I recently came to a few services at your church. I also watched online. Kyle says, my girlfriend and I are going through a lot of trouble with our relationship, and it's like every one of your messages spoke right to me. He says I've teared up at everyone because of how hard they hit me and how they relate to my daily struggle to find happiness. Kyle says since coming to church, I've changed a lot in my outlook on life. I've changed my personal goals, my family goals, and trying to put what's important first. He says I may never find God but I do know that your messages that you guys speak have made me a better father and friend and hopefully one day a better husband. So Kyle says, from the bottom of my heart, as I tear up writing this, I want to thank you. I want to thank your church for helping me become a better man. I love that. More than anything. So much so that I have devoted my entire life to the purpose of trying to reach people, as many people as we can, with the great news that Jesus Christ loves them died for them, offers forgiveness to every one of us to redeem us for all eternity. Kyle hasn't crossed the line of putting his faith in Jesus yet but he's getting close and when he does, he's going to become a new person in Christ. Not perfect but he's going to have a brand new outlook and lease on life. By the way, government cannot change a human life. Politicians cannot redeem a human life. Education can't. Money can't. Fantasy football can't. Nothing on this planet except faith in Jesus can turn an unbelieving, troubled skeptic into a joy-filled, God-honoring person. And gang, there is no greater purpose that you and I can be a part of than to try to reach others for Christ. Jesus said it this way in Luke 15. He said, There's there's more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. Over 99 who are safe in their faith. There's more rejoicing, Jesus says. There's more partying going on in heaven when one person who was once a sinner and wanted nothing to do with God repents and finds their way to him than over 99 other people who are already safe and sound in their faith. It means that God's main focus is on the one who is still lost, the one who is still out there, lost and separated from God, than on the 99 who are safe and sound in their faith. And when that lost person is found, the Bible says, all heaven just pauses and erupts with applause and celebration. Some of you know that I have a dog named Blue who I adore. Um, Just after we got him as a puppy, though, and I've, I've told this once before, something happened to him that I didn't tell anyone for a long time. One day I had to go fix a deer stand, so I took him with me, just a little puppy, just eight weeks old, Way back in the woods, walked a half mile into my stand. He was kind of nipping at my heels, following me. My stand is about 20 feet in the air, which I shouldn't be doing that these days, but you got to do what you got to do. So I climbed up and I began uh, working on my my deer stand and Blue, this little puppy, kind of lost track of where I was. And I kept calling his name to reassure him and alert him. You know, I'm up here, Bluey. I'm up here, and he'd kind of look around. Didn't really get the connection. He, he could hear me, but didn't know where I was. And he thought I had—he thought I had left him. And for about ten minutes, I just kind of forgot about him. And I was fixing my stand, and, and things like that happened to me. So suddenly, I looked down and. He was gone. I mean, nowhere to be seen. Again, I was up in the air. I started yelling toward the swamp and the water, blue, blue. He had no identification, no understanding the trouble he was in. For three to four minutes, I just yelled and tried to get his attention. And I really didn't know how long he'd been gone because I wasn't really paying close enough attention. My heart sank. I scrambled down out of the tree, I took off running through the woods in the direction of my truck, and a hundred yards down the trail, there he was, running toward me on a dead sprint. I dropped down, he flew into my arms, and we rolled around on the ground a while, he licked my face, and he nipped my ears, and then I scooped him up, and I said, Blue, we're not going to tell anybody about this for a long time, especially my wife, and we drove home. I love this dog. I'm crazy about this dog, but as a puppy, he was a sinner who destroyed our living room and put a strain on our marriage, but when I realized he was lost, I went into full search mode. I yelled, whistled, ran. There was nothing I wouldn't do to save this little puppy, dog, and gang, it's the same with God's love for each one of you, no matter where you are, each campus and online, God loves you. No matter who you are, no matter what awful sin you may have committed in this life, God loves you and he will do anything to find you and save you and establish a loving relationship with you. He is in full search mode. He even sent his son Jesus, the Bible says, to seek and to save those who are lost. And when a lost one is found, all heaven erupts with applause. This also explains who we are as a church and why our mission is to reach as many people for Christ as we can. We as a church are focused on the one, not just the 99. We're so glad for those of us I mean, we, we, we live with this reality that Christ has saved us, and I'm so grateful for the 99 who gather every weekend and online and worship together. But our focus will always be on reaching one person at a time, and that's been our mission from the very beginning. In fact, in Mark chapter 1, Jesus was just gathering his first followers, and they were fishermen. Matthew, Mark, Peter, James, John, they were fishermen And Jesus was calling them to join him. And I want you to see the very first words that Jesus said to his first followers. He said, look, if you follow me, I will make you fishers of men and women. The first words Jesus ever said to his followers were not about forming a Bible study. We're not about coming to a prayer meeting or small group. He said, look, if you follow me, I will make you fishers of men and women. The number one activity Jesus called his followers to do was to go fishing. That's why I go fishing (laughs) as much as I can. But Jesus called his followers to go fishing for people, but sadly, very few Christians are doing that today. Very few churches are really actively strategically trying to reach, trying to fish, trying to uh, you know, connect lost people with the loving God. But that's been our mission from the very start. In fact, we did some digging around the archives this last week. We found a VHS video from a church service we did 15 years ago down at Roy Wilkins Arena, we were a church of about four to 5,000. We wanted to get the church all together in one place because we were trying to raise $12 million to build a campus in Lionel Lakes. As you watch this minute-and-a-half clip, you're, you're going to see a striking young man, very handsome. <laughs> talk about the same mission that 15 years later is still the same mission today. Watch this little clip. I can't even express to you in words what this moment is doing to my heart right now. I mean, what you and I are witnessing right now is nothing short than a miracle from God. Eighteen years ago, a small group of people began praying for a day, praying for this day, when God would so fill our church with worshiping people that our building wouldn't be able to hold them. What you are seeing today is that prayer fulfilled. 10 years ago, there were only 350 of us. I mean, if God could do this through 350 people, just think what he's gonna do in the next 10 years. When this four to 5,000 group of people here today strap on faith, we will do everything we can To create an environment where people can come and be introduced to Jesus Christ in a way that's understandable, exciting, and relevant to their lives. Why are we doing this? Why? Friends, because people matter to God. And they matter to us more than anything else. And not just people in White Bear Lake, but all over this city and all over this world. That was September 9th, 2001. Anybody remember what happened 2 days later? September 11th 2001 9/11 hit and we were trying to raise 12 million dollars and we could only raise 7 because our church was in the country was just in such a terrible uh, setting financially and otherwise. And the question was how do, how do you build a 28 million dollar campus with just 7 million dollars? Basically, a bunch of us risked our careers. We took out a $19 million loan over 30 years, and we built the Lionel Lakes campus because we believed that God wanted us to go fishing for people. Here's a video of the Lionel Lakes campus site before it was built in 2004, a flyover. And then here's a more recent shot that most of you are familiar with. But gang, in the last 10 years, in the last 10 years, Thousands of people have come to faith through this campus. Marriages have been restored. Families have been reunited. Lost people get found every single weekend. And four more campuses were born out of this Lionel Lakes campus. It's an incredible story. We opened that campus in 2006 and our attendance went from 5,000 to 8,000 in a matter of months. But then something very bothersome happened. The following year in 2007, we virtually had no growth and we weren't reaching people like we used to. So in in June of 2007, I initiated a staff-wide fast. I said, we're going to fast and pray and I'm asking you to pray for me. I'm going to go away for a few days and just seek God and ask God, what is it that we're missing? Why aren't we reaching people like, like we should be? About three days into it, God gave me such clarity and such conviction, I couldn't contain it. And what I sensed God telling me was that we just simply needed to get back to our mission of reaching people for Christ. And frankly, we had lost, we had lost that. Um, and I had to look at myself in the mirror and say, Bob, when was the last time you actually prayed for and invited an unchurched neighbor or friend to church? Bob, when did you last engage an unbelieving person with a spiritual conversation that might lead them to faith in Christ? I mean, mission statements are worthless unless we actually do them. And we had stopped doing our mission as a staff and church. The next thing I said, how are we going to get back to actually doing our mission? I told our staff, it begins with me right here. I can't expect our congregation to invite and engage people in spiritual conversations if I'm not doing it. So I looked at our staff of 150. I said, look, it starts with me right here in this room. And I challenge, it starts with us. And I challenge every one of you as a staff, beginning with me, to start praying for and talking to the people in our neighborhoods, at the soccer games, apartment buildings. We have to lead the way. If we're not doing the mission, we can't expect our congregation to do the mission. Then I said, we have 8,000 people who are attending our church and they interact with unbelievers every single day at work, at school, wherever. What if we challenged all 8,000 of our church attenders to start praying for just one person this year? Imagine if all 8,000 of us would invite just one person to church this year. That would be a game changer, not only for our church, but for, for our community and city. And so we did that, we challenged our church. And then I said, what if, what if we do a December Christmas series that would appeal to everybody, no matter who they are? And so we decided on a Christmas series called It Would Take a Miracle. Some of you might remember this, it's still the, the best, most popular series we, we have in our bookstore. It Would Take a Miracle to Fix My Family was the first message. And every family needs a little fixing, right? It would take a miracle to do that in my family. Take a miracle to heal this wound, this emotional wound, whatever the wound I have. Take a miracle to find my purpose, and then on Christmas, take a miracle to restore my faith. And it was an amazing thing what happened. 3,000 new people came for that series. 3,000 new people came, and on Christmas Eve, 400 of them said yes to putting their faith in Christ and began a new life. We moved from a no-growth plateau of 8,000 2007, to 11,000 in 2008. But think if we wouldn't have done that. Think if we had just kind of sat on our hands, you know, not prayed, not invited, not taken relational risks. Think of the 3,000 or so people who would still be out there lost without hope. That same year, in 2008, we acquired the Spring Lake Park campus and in one year, that campus went from 100 people to 2,000, almost overnight, and Spring Lake Park has been over capacity ever since. That led us to building our building in, in Blaine, while still carrying the Lionel Lakes debt of $17 million, we did another capital campaign, we built Blaine for $12 million and paid it off in two years. Here's our campus over in Blaine. By the way, the reason you all over in Blaine have a campus is because a bunch of people sacrificed and prayed and gave so you'd have a church to go to. Blaine soon filled up and was over capacity, but hundreds of people were traveling from the east side, from Woodbury, the St. Croix Valley area, to attend our White Bear and Lionel Lakes campuses. So six years ago, we bought 40 acres over in Woodbury And a bunch of families sacrificed again. And they prayed and they gave. And we raised $20 million for our Woodbury campus. And you'll see a a picture of our Woodbury campus. That was a $30 million project. Some of you over in Woodbury don't even know that we have a mortgage on that building. And we just encourage you if you haven't started giving. Come on. We are on track to pay that building off in less than five years just by the general fund giving, the generosity of the entire church. So proud of our church for that. After Woodbury, we swung back to Coon Rapids High School to help offset the crowding at Spring Lake Park and Blaine and it's amazing, over a thousand people are worshiping in the Coon Rapids High School to get us ready for our new Anoka campus that will open this March. Now, gang, the question is this, why? You know, why keep expanding and reaching? Honestly, who needs it? I certainly don't need it. And if you notice, people are annoying (laughs) and messy. And the more people you have, the more annoyances you kind of have to deal with. But I look at what God has done in our church, and I I look at what God has called us to do, and I could never just coast, could never do it. As hard as it is to run six campuses, find good staff, raise money, build buildings, and meet the demands of every weekend, I could never just coast, because I want every high school kid in the Twin Cities to have a chance of knowing Jesus Christ and getting their life straightened out. I want every grade school kid to have a place to go where they're going to hear the message of Christ. I want every college student and single adult who might be drifting and doubting to find Christ, get to know God. I want every family in the Twin Cities and beyond to be within a 20 minute drive of a campus that will ignite their faith and save their lives. And we can't do that if we just coast. And we also can't do that if everyone isn't giving. Some of you are still hiding in the weeds and you're not giving. We need you to get done what we believe God has called us to do. And just think about this. If we had stopped after building the Lionel Lakes campus, you at Spring Lake Park, Blaine, and Coon Rapids would not be sitting in those seats today. If we had stopped at Blaine, you and Woodbury would not have that campus that we built for you and your kids and your friends and your colleagues and classmates, the seat you are sitting in right now, wherever you might be in one of our campuses, the seat you are sitting in right now was made possible by somebody else in this church who sacrificed and gave so that you and your family could have an amazing church to attend so you could know Christ and grow in your faith. I want to ask you, What if that seat wasn't there for you? How different would your life be? Where would you go to church? Where would your kids go? Every one of you are sitting in buildings that at one time did not exist and that someone else sacrificed for so that you and your friends could know Christ and the question is, will we all do the same for somebody else? Gang, the reason we ask you to give, the reason we ask you to tithe is because your money is directly connected to reaching people who need Christ. Look what Colossians 1 says about this. This same good news that God loves you and offers forgiveness to every one of you. This same good news that came to you, every one of you and came to me, is going out all over the world. It's changing lives everywhere just as it has changed your life. The first day you believe the truth about God's great kindness to sinners, God has been good to you and me. Now are we willing to do whatever we can to extend God's goodness to others? Here's a photograph of two Christmases ago. I want you to see this photograph. It's it's spectacular. Over 2,000 students packed the Lionel Lakes campus for a Christmas party to hear a message about Jesus Christ. Where does this happen in the world? This is where our dollars go to reaching kids. That's why we do what we do. It's unbelievable. I want to give you a financial update real quick. Our fiscal year runs from June to June, so we finished it this last June. We had a phenomenal year financially. Our budget was just over $21 million, which I know sounds big to a lot of you, other churches our size look at that budget and they say you're crazy. How can you possibly run a church of six campuses, two, over 200 staff? How can you do your? How can you live on that? We are a lean, mean, fighting machine. I'm telling you right now, 21 million dollars plus some change. That's our budget. We exceeded it by the generosity of this church. Last year we took in 28 million dollars, a little bit over that. It's amazing. If you remember last November, we, we, gave out a, we, we did a tithing challenge, 90-day tithing challenge. We said, look, if you're not tithing 10% of your income, just test God on this for 90 days and see if God shows up in your life and blesses you in ways that you can't even predict. And so many of you jumped on that and you, and you started tithing and you continued and now we have an excess of $7 million. What are we gonna do with that? Here's what we're gonna do. We bought a Kmart in Anoka. Good grief. <laughs> Kmart in Anoka. The Anoka project, we're going to repurpose it. The Anoka project is an 18 million dollar project. How are we going to pay for it? We're going to take 6 million dollars from the 1 by 1 campaign that is just ending now in November. Many of you have been a part of that, some of you haven't been. 6 million from the 1 by 1 campaign. We're going to drain that resource. Six million from the seven million dollar excess I just told you about from last year, and we are hoping and praying that you'll continue to be faithful in your giving, so that we budgeted in six million from this year's giving that has already begun, and we are going to pay for Anoka in cash, debt free. Unbelievable! Unbelievable! Here's a recent photo of our Anoka campus. It's going up. It's going to be amazing. That is not a blue light special, I can guarantee right now, okay? That's going to open up in March, right before Easter. That 1,000 people is going to double the two and three and four, I believe, in just a matter of a couple of years. Let me tell you about Blaine. The Blaine campus, God is doing something at the Blaine campus that's unbelievable, unprecedented. Uh, they hold six services every weekend. They've been doing it for eight, 18 months. Two Saturday night, two Sunday morning, they all come back, the staff and volunteers, for a Sunday evening, four o'clock service and six o'clock service. It's absolutely killing our staff. It's unsustainable. But I'm so proud of the staff and volunteers at our Blaine campus who rolled up their sleeves and said, We'll do whatever we can to open up space and services. They're in the lobby on Sunday mornings worshiping. It's just amazing. We've got to solve the Blaine issue. We have an idea. On the side screens, you're going to see kind of our, our what we have going on there. The, the orange part is our present building. We have kids worship, kids and worship. We see 850 in, in the worship, and then the other part is kids. We think we can build another worship center for 1,300 seats on 3.6 acres right there and then convert all of the, old, all of the, other, the remaining building into kids' worship. And it would double, not double, but whatever that would be, 850 to 13. It would give us more space. <laughs> okay? We could, we could see a lot more people and, and at least temporarily solve that great problem in Blaine. By the way, we don't have a financial plan for that. You know, we had excess $7 million this last year. We're going to use six of it for Anoka. We'll use that million toward Blaine. And hopefully people, more people get on board tithing and we can get Blaine done within the next year or so or two. Show you one other side screen deal here. This is our future sites. Actually, these are our present sites right here. Woodbury down in the right uh, lower right. Then you have White Bear, uh, Lionel Lakes, I think Spring Lake Park, Blaine, and then the Coon Rapids. And the yellow dots are kind of heat sensitive. This is where our families come from. This is the population that go to our church. Our dream is to go down to Burnsville, uh, Apple Valley area, and then put a campus out on the west side somewhere to to put a campus within a 20-minute drive of everybody in the Twin Cities. We're, we're focusing on the Burnsville-Apple Valley area first, and hopefully by next fall, we'll be in a high school down there getting started. And again, that's just kind of, uh, we're praying for that. Two things I'm going to ask you as a church. Number one, if you're not doing this, please, please consider tithing. Get in on what God is doing, and also open up Heaven's blessings into your own life in ways that you can't even predict. Doesn't make sense on the bottom line, but God does it somehow. Second thing I would say is this. Invite. Invite people. In four weeks, in four weeks, we're doing a four-part Christmas series called What Keeps You Up at Night? Kids drive us, you know, keep us up at night, right? I don't care how old they are. Young or old, they keep you up at night. Uh, Fear. Money, stress, what keeps you up at nights? our four-part Christmas series. We're asking you to think about, pray for somebody in your life, at work, at the gym, at school. Who can you be praying for and who can you invite? You say, Bob, I've invited him three, four times, and he says no every time. Sometimes they say it takes up to seven invites before a person says, all right, I'll come. And God can do a work in their life. Okay, Be looking for that. Be praying for the person you might invite to our Christmas series. Um, during November, we're going to show you how God has changed a person's life. And I want to show you on video, William Bruski. And then I'll come up and close. God has used this church to change William's life. Watch this. This just in, you are looking at a very disturbing live shot there. That is the World Trade Center, and we have unconfirmed reports this morning that a plane has crashed into one of the towers of the World Trade Center.
1: When 9-11 happened, I was 21 years old, and you know, we were all just shocked. Um, Sad, you know, that our own people and our own land lost their lives. We saw what happened on TV, and it shook our country, it shook me. Um, So I knew I had to do something as far as serving my country, making sure that the country we live in is going to be safe and ensuring that other parts of the world is safe as well. So I knew that at some point, I wanted to join the military. So after September 11, you know, it was a whirlwind. Uh, I was already married at the time, so we uh, had two children and we had a pretty normal life for a few years while finishing up school and that's when we decided that I would join the Army. So after I joined in 2010, I went to uh, Fort Sill, Oklahoma for basic training. Then I was uh, on active duty orders at Fort Knox, Kentucky. And then in 2015 is when I deployed for the training equip mission inside Syria. When a soldier gets deployed, he or she has mixed feelings. You know you're doing something good, uh, you're making sacrifices for your country, but then you have another side of it too. Uh, you feel guilty, uh, leaving your loved ones behind. Um, you think we have the hard job, but really the hard job is the spouses, the parents, the brothers, and sisters, the children that get left behind. They're the real heroes. So that's a tough part, is trying to find that balance Missing birthday parties, missing sporting events. It's it's tough. Um, It's never easy, no matter how long you're in. So my mission while I was deployed was to help train Syrian rebels to fight ISIS. And there were a lot of pieces to that mission that were very intense. When you're in the military, you see certain things. and Regardless if it's live in person on video camera, and pictures, when you see things happening to other individuals, right, human beings, what they were doing to other human beings, day in and day out. It was very hard to take in. Things are so bad there that people are willing to die to try and leave their country. I know God is around us, and I know he's watching over us. And so that's why it was so difficult for me to comprehend and understand what exactly was happening inside Syria. And that's what rocked my faith is, if God's a loving God, why does he allow human beings to act this way? Why does he allow other human beings to suffer this way? You have women and children raped, tortured, murdered, beheaded. Things like that don't escape your memory. It makes it tough to sleep at night. You know, So there are many nights where, yeah, I would shed a tear um, and I would have difficulty um, trying to absorb it all and, and figuring out why this happened. So when I came back from deployment, everything was just kind of different. Um, Trying to get back into regular life here back in the States. Um, My wife and I had gotten divorced in 2013, so my family life was different. I just felt kind of lost. I didn't feel like I was ready to put the smile on my face and act like nothing was wrong. And I was battling a lot of things with what I saw while uh, deployed. And uh, I questioned God and I didn't want to go to church. I didn't want to praise Him. I didn't want to praise <sighs> Him and, and, and tell Him how great He was because I just came from a place in this world where it's not great. I just felt kind of numb and I felt that way for a long time. In August, a friend invited me to Eagle Brook. I wasn't sure if I ever wanted to go back to church again, but I agreed. There was a message one of the Sundays in, in the Shatterproof series. that talked about things that happen that we just won't have answers to. Sometimes we might question God, and that's okay, but we have to have faith that He's there and He'll always be there for us. We can't allow ourselves to continue to spin our wheels, trying to get answers to everything. It was a great message, so I wanted to go again, and I've only missed one church service since then. And every single Sunday or Saturday night that I go, able to take exactly what is written in the Bible and apply it to today's day and age. Never has there been a Sunday or Saturday night where I've walked out of church and wondered what that service was about. And that's what I loved about Eagle Brook. Eagle Brook has brought me back to my faith. And I'm so thankful because I have God back in the center of my life. And that's what I really needed.
0: So proud of uh, William for his service to our country. And uh... It's hard on a family. So many of us have jobs and pressures in our life that kind of tear us apart. And so we're saddened that his family suffered through a divorce and still wrestling through that. We care for his wife and um, love her dearly too. But a friend invited William back to church. William was at a place in his life where he was open and maybe where he wasn't before. And so a friend did that, took a risk, and now William's on a better path. And I'm so grateful that that friend was there and I'm so grateful that William had a place to go where he could get repaired and get his relationship with God restored. And gang, that's what it's all about for us. And I'm so grateful for all of you who are here at any of our campuses. I truly do love you. I don't know most of you. But I love what God is doing in our church and in your lives. And I just, this is such a great church because of who you are. It's a privilege. It's a privilege to be able to serve in this way. So God has a call on us. Let's all stand for closing prayer and uh, be on our way. Let's pray together. Father, that one who's still lost. I pray that you would bring that person to our mind. Who is that lost one in our family, our neighborhood, our workplace? God, when we think of that person, we think, oh, there's no way. (laughs) That person's impossible. And they're annoying. But God, you... Are the God of the impossible, so I pray that we won't give up because you don't. Lord, I pray for every person standing here at all of our campuses and online watching that you will bring a, that you will touch our lives in a very real way today, whether we're suffering through a relationship breakdown or a physical breakdown of some sort. God, you are God. You're loving, you're sovereign, you can heal. And I pray that you will do that for every one of us who need that today. We go now with your blessing on our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Me, prayer. Stay for, stay for a while afterwards. We'll pray for you.